Hi, everyone. Welcome to Membership Voice. I'm Kero O'Shea, the coordinator of the Voice and the host for this evening's webinar. A very special welcome to tonight's presenter, Assistant Governor Paul Ellsley from Rotary Kingston in Canada. Paul, what time is it there at the moment? Uh, it's very early here, just before 5 a.m. Ah, thank you, Paul. It's marvellous having you with us, and thank you for making that early morning sacrifice. At this stage, I'd like to acknowledge the Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm hosting tonight's webinar. I acknowledge the strength of their continuing culture and offer my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I'm looking forward to hearing about the Kingston Rotary Revival because past history of, of Kingston sounds very similar to some of our traditional clubs. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what Assistant Governor Paul has to tell us about the remarkable story in Kingston. So, Paul, over to you, please. Great. Thanks very much, Carol, for uh, giving me this opportunity to speak to your, uh, your Zoom members, um, particularly uh, with a focus on membership. And what I want to talk today is about our story and what I would call um, some of the opportunities that we have witnessed during the pandemic and how we've taken advantage of some of those. It's quite a remarkable story and it's not one that I could have predicted. So here we are in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. It's about halfway between uh, Toronto and Montreal cities you've probably heard of. And just across the border from the United States, uh, we are adjacent to upstate New York. And we're in District 7040, which encompasses Eastern Ontario, Western Quebec, upstate New York, and then uh, one of our Northern Territories, uh, Nunavut. We've got a club in a Callaway that's based there. So it's quite an interesting and diverse district. There are 65 clubs, and I'm the assistant governor of what's called Seaway West, which is a collection of eight clubs right on the edge of the lake there. Our club was chartered 100 years ago, so this happens to be our centennial, and that's part of the story that I think has made our membership such a success. You can see my club has uh, is a fairly large club. I think we're the fourth largest club in our district, um, and uh, and it continues to grow. So what qualifies me to speak to you? Well, I've been in Rotary for almost a decade now. I was president during our centennial year. And uh, I've also been for three or four years, the district RILA chair. I'm now a member of the district training team. I'm co-chair of uh, the, the membership committee here in my club. And I'm also on the district membership committee. Take a second and have a look at these statistics. As Caro said, uh, fairly traditional. There are 21 districts in our zone. And what I'm presenting to you here are the last two years of membership statistics. Focus in there on 7040, which is my district. You'll note that uh, the previous year, all 21 of our districts declined in membership. And that is a pattern that has been in place for a number of years now. But over this past year, eight out of those 21 districts actually saw a net increase in membership. And my district was tops in the, in the zone with 53 new members. 
And of those 53 members, 29 of them were right here in Kingston and 19 in my club. So how do we do that? Well, uh, I need to take you back to March of 2020 when we're all becoming aware of this pandemic. And uh, I recall I was in Florida at the time with my family and we had to come home early to get back into the country. But everybody hunkered down at that point in time, um, including all Rotary clubs. Um, we just weren't sure what was going to happen. And, uh, and many of those Rotary clubs were, were, I think, quite fearful. And so they shut down for a time being. But because of my not-for-profit work here in the community, feeding children uh, from food insecure homes, I became very aware that community needs were not lower. They were, in fact, higher than ever before, whether it was issues of mental health, food security, businesses struggling, people losing jobs. It was evident to me that Rotary was needed now more than ever. And it was no time for us to sit on the fence. We were in the midst of preparing for our centennial and been planning for it for uh, a little over three years. But there was no, uh, um, no mood to celebrate at that point in time. And we very quickly shifted, pivoted to uh, the pandemic support of our community. And you can see here, we were heavily involved in feeding families. We were delivering food boxes to families uh, directly to their doors, 550 at its peak in the summer of that year. We also produced thousands of masks and gave many of them out to young children whose families did not have this disposable income to buy the, the, the masks they would need for, for school and other such things. Because we were heavily engaged in the community, our community reached out to us and asked us to lead the mass vaccination clinic uh, as volunteers, the distribution of rapid test kits. And now they have asked us uh, to be quite heavily involved in the construction of a community food warehouse here in the community. So when you're engaged, people recognize it and good things tend to happen as a result. But back to our centennial here. As I say, we have been planning for a little over three years. And one of the things we did was to dream big, but also set a strategic plan for our centennial. We had four primary goals to enhance collaboration amongst the clubs here in Kingston and with our community partners to raise a lot of money because we had 15 projects that we wanted to undertake. And we wanted to expand the profile of Rotary in Kingston. People were very familiar with Rotary Park they may know the name Rotary, but they did not know there were six clubs. And they certainly weren't familiar with what we did or that there was a possibility they could join as members. And then of course, we wanted to try and reverse the trend of declining membership and increase our membership over the course of the year. So um, in terms of collaboration, we've established a president's council here in Kingston. And so that's uh, the presidents and vice presidents of each of the clubs meeting monthly to help coordinate our efforts and keep in regular communication. So we're all aware of what's going on. We've also reached out to a number of new community organizations, many of whom had a, um, a modest relationship with us in order to try and grow those relationships. And many of our centennial projects, in fact, involve multiple partners here in the community. 
fundraising is going to be a real challenge for us. Uh, we lost our big fundraiser, the gala, which for which we had planned to raise $100,000. We lost our golf tournament. So two of our biggest fundraisers were gone. How are we going to fund all of these projects? Well, we looked at some um, new ideas, but we also went back to some of our old ideas to see if we could make them work even better. And so one of our fundraisers is the sale of a cash calendar which we do uh, through the fall heading into the Christmas season. Normally we'd raise about $18,000 from that. This year, we raised $30,000, quite surprising. And we also looked to new areas for financial support, applying for grants uh, through local foundations. We even had a global grant project based right here in Kingston. Uh, reaching out to some of our friends in India who helped support the project. It was $144,000. And as you know, it's a good way to leverage funds for your, your projects. Increasing the awareness of Rotary in Kingston was a very big goal that we had. We wanted to uh, make sure that everyone in the community knew what Rotary was all about. We wanted to inform them about our good works. And we wanted to keep um, that message going throughout the course of the year and, and on a regular basis. You see here a picture of the town crier, uh, who happens to be the world champion, by the way. He's announcing a year of Rotary in Kingston to the community. We had an article in the newspaper every single week since the beginning of January. And we'll continue to have articles in the newspaper uh, throughout the course of uh, this year. We've been on television regularly. We've had lots of great stories in the press. And I think it's fair to say that everybody in Kingston now knows what we're about. But let's focus in on membership. Um, our goal was to increase that membership and reverse the trend. Uh, we wanted to recruit in a different way to take on a new approach, if you will. We wanted to develop a very coherent and realistic plan. We wanted to try some new uh, partners um, to look in new directions for members. We also wanted to, to look at some of the things that we were doing and see if we could make them better, including improving the process of induction and coming up with a very, uh, a very good retention plan. Because as we all know, most clubs are, are able to admit a new member or two or three but they lose more than they admit. And so the net uh, is a loss. And so part of this uh, message, I think, is that you must have a very strong retention plan in order to keep those new members who join your clubs. So let's look at each one of those. Um, I would say traditionally, we had been very reactive rather than proactive. And I mean, we waited for people to come to us. You know, occasionally a member would bring somebody to a meeting and we would, we hope that they would join our club, but we wouldn't really do too much about it. So our goal was to be far more proactive. Um, you see here a poster that we created, Why Join Rotary, which we've been putting out on social media. And uh, we've got an accompanying one-minute video that uh, has been regularly shown on television spots and, and, again, through social media. So getting the message out that we're looking for members and we want you to join and there are very few restrictions as to who can join. It's not your grandfather's Rotary Club. Um, we also knew that if, if folks were going to join, that we had to give them a value proposition that made sense. 
And so that means improving our meetings and making them very dynamic, but also uh, having more service opportunities. And this has been a, a real shift in, in the way we do business in our club. I would say uh, in a typical month, while we do meet four times uh, every Thursday at the lunch hour, we're also having at least two service opportunities, if not more, every single month. Because we're finding a lot of the new members uh, may not be able to come to a lunchtime meeting, but they may well be able to show up as they did last night to help uh, Lionhearts fill food, food boxes and, and those kinds of things. So some of it is timing and opportunity. And I think a lot of the new members are looking to serve. In terms of setting a plan, um, one of the things that we did for the first time was to set an annual goal. So for our centennial year, we wanted to see if we could grow our club by five members. It was a very modest goal, but having uh, declined for 15 years or so in succession prior to that, um, it seemed relatively ambitious. We also wanted to, to try and um, you know, look, I guess, beyond our club and, and within our district and try and be one of the top three clubs in the district. So setting goals is a big part of the process too. Our messaging, we wanted um, to be very focused. And uh, by that, I mean, we wanted to get out a very clear message that we were non-denominational and we non-political, um, that anybody could join, that we welcomed everyone to join. And, uh, and so I think that sort of changed the game a little bit. It was also a great team effort. We collaborated here in Kingston uh, amongst the clubs and we were all sending out the same messages. Um, we were trying to bring people and grow Rotary, not necessarily our individual club, but to grow Rotary here in Kingston. And as we uh, positioned it, um, we've got a club that will meet your needs. We've got a breakfast club, a lunch club, a dinner club, a pub club. We've got a young professionals club. There's something for everyone. We also looked to tap into some district resources. Our club had never really engaged much within the district. And um, the district has lots to offer and a lot of support in place. We've got a membership um, committee that uh, exists in the district and uh, they are now meeting um, and, and holding seminars on a regular basis, much like you're doing here today. We also wanted to look at our classifications and see where there were classification gaps in our clubs and, and look to attract some uh, new types of members. As I mentioned, uh, part of this is about your relationship with your community organizations. So we have something called the Community Outreach Grants Program and about 30 community organizations apply to us for grants on an annual basis. What we decided to do was to reach out to those clubs and say, would you consider an enhanced partnership? Would you consider joining our clubs as members? And, and here's why we think it's a good idea. We did the same thing with some local businesses, um, offering corporate memberships to them. Uh, we, we also, as I mentioned, uh, looked to identify some gaps and gaps in skill sets in our clubs because uh, probably like you, um, there are a handful of people who seem to do all the work in the clubs. We need some folks who have the skill sets to be able to take on some of those responsibilities. 
of course, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a, is a, uh, a big uh, notion here today. And we're trying to diversify our club. Too many of the folks in our club look a lot like me. We also wanted to consider new, new ideas like uh, Friends of Ro Rotary. And these are people who have helped us out with projects and attended some of our galas and other events, uh, may not be members, but uh, again, might become members if we develop that relationship. Making the induction special was another key component of what we did. Um, we wanted to make it the central event during our meetings. So after we have our national anthem and our rotary reflection, the induction takes place. And, and this year, between February, the first week in February and the end of May, we inducted one new member into our club each week. That's quite extraordinary, 19 in a row. Um, we did that by, uh, you know, once, once they had made contact with us, either came with a friend or reached out to us in some way, uh, there was a one-on-one -on -one meeting by Zoom with the president. Um, we want to let them know that they were so important that the president was going to have an audience with them. Uh, we provide them with a little bit of Rotary homework so they get to know Rotary a little better. Uh, prior to their orientation session, um, they're assigned a mentor. And uh, I met with the mentor and the uh, prospective member in an orientation session. We're very realistic about our expectations of new members and uh, we sought out their interest in joining. And why did they wanna become a Rotarian? What was it they were looking to achieve? So those things were very clear at the front door. Um, we, as I said, we make it the highlight of the meeting and uh, the chat box is filled with lots of welcomes and congratulations and at the end of that uh, induction process. I think that uh, the new member does, in fact, feel very, very special. We've got five people who are involved in our induction ceremony, including a new, a new member. Um, and what we do tell them right off the top is that, uh, you know, there are lots of opportunities in Rotary. Take your time, feel us out for a little bit, join a couple of committees down the road. But um, we're not expecting too much of you too soon. And then finally, member retention. So what I didn't tell you was, uh, while we admitted 19 new members, uh, a record for our club this, this year, we also lost four. Uh, two of those moved out of the area um, and a couple of folks uh, suffered job losses and they just weren't in a position to continue. You're always gonna have losses, but you wanna try and minimize them. So um, what we need to do, I think a better job of, is once we've admitted new members, is to engage them to engage them on a regular basis, to have the mentor checking in with them, to uh, recognize them periodically. So at our meeting today, over the lunch hour, we're gonna be recognizing three of our new members for some outstanding work they've been doing over the past couple of weeks. Uh, lots of engagement strategies. Um, you know, uh, We've got a membership committee that's very strong that is also actively involved in the retention plan. And when we have to, of course, we, we conduct exit interviews to make sure that um, you know, we don't have some of the, the same folks leaving uh, when they might have stayed had we done a better job. And that 
covers uh, our story. Again, it's, it's been quite a special year, 19 new members, 39 new members here in Kingston and uh, tops in our zone uh, for this past year. Uh, Kira was asking me whether we've been able to maintain that momentum heading uh, you know, into the first four months of this year. And I can report that we're admitting our sixth new member for this year uh, at today's uh, lunchtime meeting. So yes, we've been able to keep that momentum. In fact, we're even to the point now where we're thinking that we need to slow down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. That's, Paul, that's just, that's just really remarkable. And that you, you're maintaining the momentum this year points to, to it being more than just a, a flash in the pan. But we have, some, we have some very successful Rotary Clubs here in Australia. And one I found out about recently in terms of membership growth is North Hobart. And, and I'm thrilled that, that North Hobart's uh, membership director, Ros Tierney, is in the audience tonight. And Ros has a question about mentoring. So, Ros, if you'd like to turn your microphone on and pose your question, please. Thank you very much. Congratulations to the AG on the presentation. It was a wonderful story to hear. So thank you, Paul. Um, I'm as uh, as Caro said, we have a lot of new members too, and I uh, heard what you said about mentoring, but I wanted to pick your brains a little more because we have uh, 37 members in the club now, including about say about 15 new members over the past 15 months or so. Um, I'm finding it a big struggle to recommend uh, mentors for each new member to the president because the ones who are already got mentors uh, don't want to give up those mentors. So you do you double up and have people mentoring more than one? And what do you do about Rotarians who are in the club who haven't been chosen to be mentors because they're not great role models. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, do you good. give everybody a job, even though they might not do a very good job? What do you do? Yeah, so um, we, we like to think of it this way. Um, bringing a new member into your club is a team effort. Um, from the membership committee to the, the actual membership, um, I'll give you an example of one other thing that we, we do. So at today's meeting, which is a Zoom meeting, uh, we have gone to hybrid twice a month, but uh, today's meeting is a Zoom meeting. We're going to go into breakout rooms at one o'clock. And the idea there is for a small group of veterans, um, three or four of them, and a couple of new members to be in each of the breakout rooms. And it's an opportunity for all of the veterans in our club to engage with the new members, to get them to know each other a little better to build those relationships, to check in on the new members and see how they're doing. So even though they're not mentors, there's still an expectation that uh, all of the folks in the club will be part of the process of engaging new members. Yes, we do double up. Um, you know, I try not to have anybody have more than three mentees at one time. That's our max. But we do have a couple of folks who are in that position. Some of that has to do with the, the pre-existing relationship between the mentor and the mentee, um, or that they happen to have passions that are very similar. But uh, yes, we, we're in a similar situation, but I would say in our particular case, we're a larger club, so we have more people to draw from than, than you would. 
but doubling up is something that we have done. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, Paul. Paul, this presidential council and, and the, the knock-on effect, the collaboration between your clubs in Kingston, just sounds like a, a wonderful model in itself because we, have, we do have communities where there are multiple Rotary clubs and those relationships are not always brilliant. Sometimes they're very good, but not always brilliant. How does your presidential council work and what's the reality of the collaboration between the clubs? Yeah, good question. So let me begin by saying that with respect to our centennial, rather than celebrate the centennial of my club, we decided from the get-go that we wanted to celebrate 100 years of Rotary in Kingston. That meant all Rotarians getting involved in the centennial. Uh, so we've got 200 Rotarians in the city of Kingston. And I should mention that Kingston is 120,000 people. So a relatively small city. Um, and, uh, and I think that makes our, our, uh, our accomplishments even more extraordinary. So we meet once a month and, uh, we've got eight clubs who are involved, um, and all of those clubs in Kingston, plus a couple of small communities nearby. It's not perfect by any means. And it's something that has existed only for a couple of years. So we're going through some growing pains. But the goal is uh, that each club will give a report at the outset of uh, the meeting. And so we're, we all become very aware of uh, that particular club's uh, projects and interests and challenges. Um, and we're offering lots of support. And, and I think what has happened is when we tell each of our stories, um, we get to know each other a lot better. Uh, we are collaborating on uh, with a number of committees. So not, not only do we meet as a president's council, but we now have the Kingston membership committee. We've got a Kingston communications committee and a central website, the portal through which people in the community are exposed to Rotor. So we've got a number of like committees that have been established to you know, coordinate our efforts. Last night we had this, um, we were helping fill food boxes there were four members from three different clubs that were present. So a lot of joint work is happening. It takes a while to build those relationships and each club continues to have its own identity, but we are working together more and more. So what, you, what I heard you say there, just, just to clarify, you've got a Kingston-wide, all, all six clubs, collaborating on membership. So if, if say, uh, they identify a potential new member, does that membership committee point that person to the most appropriate fit? You know, That's right. Yeah. Um, and so we, we take them to rotaryinkingston.cool, which identifies all six of the clubs on the site. It uh, tells them, gives them a, a sense of the flavor of the club and when they meet and so on. And, and yes, uh, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not trying to hoard them so that they all join my club. We're trying to grow Rotary in Kingston. And, and I think this is part of the mindset. It, it's not about growing your club as much as it is about building Rotary, about making Rotary stronger. And that's one of the reasons why I've been sharing this story far and wide. You know, I've had a presentation in South Africa, uh, British Columbia, the United States, all over the place, because I think it's important to share some of the strategies uh, that have been successful for us and to see the pandemic as an opportunity rather than a challenge. 
Well, the thing about the pandemic, of course, is that it's created some more huge needs. And I mean, one of the, the, te the test of any Rotary Club is how relevant it is to its community. So if you have a, a dire need, then that's, uh, whilst one, one doesn't sort of wish for these things, that is a huge opportunity for a good Rotary Club to do its it, job. It is, and it's very clear to us that some of the other service organisations are, are even in more decline than Rotary, that Rotary, in fact, in many ways, is not only the largest service organisation in the world, but it's the one that seems to be um, you know, thriving or at least uh, continues to be relevant. Uh, it's always good to look at things that may not have worked so well on the way through. It's a wonderful story. So what are some of the learnings on the way through to this, this path to collaboration? Um, yes, we had a, a King's My Club's membership committee met the other night, and a number of folks were offering uh, concerns um, at admitting so many new members so quickly. Um, and you know, part of part of the problem, I think, too, is that we haven't been able to meet these folks in person. That makes it uh, a real struggle, right, to build those relationships. And so. We, we have actually uh, decided that we need to, to slow down. We're admitting our sixth new member today, but we're not going to be campaigning uh, too vigorously for, for more members. We want to focus in on trying to build those relationships. So I think this is one of the challenges for us is, is to strengthen the relationships to make sure that the new members are feeling a part of our community. Um, one of the things we've we've done uh, lately is to increase the number of socials that we have, smaller socials, get-togethers at someone's house usually uh, with no more than, say, 15 to 20 people. Uh, often it's been outdoors. But we want to try and, and bring new members to those socials so to get the mentor to come to the social and bring the mentee with them so that we can begin to build those relationships. That's certainly a challenge. Um, and, uh, and I would say one of the other challenges has been, um, trying to, uh, trying to figure out, I guess, um, what roles these folks can play within our club. Um, many of them, many of the new members are full-time workers. Uh, we meet at Thursday over the lunch hour. And so... We've had to adjust our expectations. That is to say, um, come to the meeting for 20 minutes it's, if that's all you can spare, but we want to see you. And so we've been pushing this as well. And I think you've got you've to change the game along the way sometimes in order to accommodate the needs and the particular set of circumstances that you're facing. So it's not uncommon for some of our new members uh, to be present for part of a meeting, but then they've got to run off uh, to another meeting somewhere or do something else that they have to do. That's often one of the tests of a good Rotarian because some of our best are people who are committed to multiple to, to multiple uh, volunteering and uh, opportunities in in the uh, in the community. Mark Huddleston, who's one of our Australian-based membership specialists and has written a book on Rotary, has talked about clubs inflexibility of some traditional clubs and how a successful rotary club needs to adapt to the needs of, of particularly new members that it's not a matter of sort of fitting the traditional square hole how is or how are the clubs in kingston doing that 
Yeah, that's a good question. And, and so my club is perhaps the most traditional of the clubs and the longest standing one. I have some members in my club who have had perfect attendance for 40 years. Um, <laughs> and that's not the goal of everyone. And it's certainly not the goal of a lot of our new members. It's about engagement. And I was very happy to see Rotary International make that shift to say it's not about attendance, it's about engagement, it's about um, a life of service, it's about uh, those kinds of things. And, and as you said, many of these new members are very engaged in, uh, in our community, not always through Rotary, but through lots of ways. And, and so some of, our, tradi- some of our, our longstanding members who have... Uh, have an, still have an expectation that attendance is, is a priority. And so I will often have uh, one of my older members reaching out to me to say, we haven't seen this new member in four weeks. Um, what's going on? And, uh, you know, I have, to, I, have to, I have to keep the attendance police at bay <laughs> uh, because, it, you know, we, we have to shift. We have to shift to be relevant. Absolutely. Now, Assistant Rotary Coordinator Brian or District Membership Chair Carol has an observation to make here, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure which it is, but over to you guys to uh, for that comment, please. Thanks, Kira, and and thank you very much, Paul, for your presentation tonight. Um, you could fit in very, very well in our club. I be- believe me, in East Maitland in the Hunter Valley, New South Wales, and uh, it's good to see Keith Bush <laughs> on here as well, uh, one of the members from our club uh, and uh, a past district membership sh- chair. Um, congratulations on getting those members in, and what a headache it is to have so many new members coming in, eh? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's wonderful and, and, and my own club um, we've revitalised as well over the last three years uh, for totally different reasons it was pre-COVID uh, but um, <coughs> as you said uh, what was interesting <coughs> oh sorry it's not COVID um, wh- one of the issues that the members highlighted was you were bringing the members in too quick and we had a massive intake into our club once we changed of new members and it took us a little time and these new members actually sat down and um, were quite concerned that they didn't know anything about Rotary. And our our own club, we didn't have mentors for them and, and, and Ros brought up earlier how do you get them. My club didn't have mentors because we'd never had new members. So, <laughs> so, so, so we... we we never had to worry about a mentor problem, and all of a sudden, uh, Bushy might be able to correct me, but I think we had 12 in the first year and five the next year or seven the next year, and we had members leave as well for different reasons. Um, um, yeah, I, I, only a couple disgruntled, but most of them, most of them uh, left for personal reasons. So we had to really uh, sit down rapidly and develop a... a, a uh, an induction program we done. We done a one night, very casual induction program. Uh, drinks, nibbles. Uh, I I speak about Rotary at an international level very quickly, very quickly because uh, they're not that interested. That they get about uh, they get about one and a half minutes on that, and then um, Carol speaks at district level. But Carol speaks at district level, and then we have another member speaks at club level. But uh, the members have come through it. Uh, it's a structured, structured setup we have, 
and they're very comfortable with understanding Rotary at the end, and and they do feel more comfortable in the club. And we have in, we have uh, put the mentors in, but um, uh, I think as Roz pointed out, you have to have the right person there as a mentor. It just can't be anyone from your club. And yeah. um, sometimes they may have to have a dual role, but uh, congratulations, and particularly of having that the forethought of that collaborative approach of getting all the clubs together. It's not about a club, it's about Rotary. And that's what Carol does as a, as I'll give her a plug, as a membership chair for the district. She puts she puts members into um, the best fit club for them, not not, not the okay. club. Yeah, yeah, not for their the, personal yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah their so their personal reasons, yeah. And, and yeah, and we, we recommend that they go to uh, – Carol takes them around to the clubs herself, but we recommend three to five clubs if, if they're in the area that they go and have a look at before they actually select one. So, um, and, and it's been very successful. So, um, yeah, we've got some great tips from you tonight. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. And, and one of the things that I didn't say is um, uh, when you bring these new folks into your club, it, uh, it's a whole new source of energy, right? They are excited. They're, they're anxious. Um, and they bring tremendous skills. So just to give you an example, one of our new members came up with the idea to produce a book uh, highlighting 40 pandemic heroes in the community. And the goal is to raise $40,000 from the sale of these books. Well, if that new member wasn't in the club, that project is likely not happening and the potential of raising $40,000 disappears. So you know, there are tremendous benefits to these new folks and it's about in harnessing that energy and engaging them in ways that uh, sort of fit with their passions and their skill sets. Yeah, Paul, may, thank I, you. May, may I share a funny story with you there on that one? Uh, <laughs> Carol, we, we have a club here in Newcastle, which is like yourself, it's 100 years old next year. And um, very elderly members, professional, it's always been a professional members club, um, uh, doctors, lawyers, um, business leaders in the, in the CBD. And um, it's changed. It's changed over the years. Those men have grown older and they, they had to bring some women in. They've let the women in. and um, But they're lack, the business focus moved out of the CBD in, into a suburban sprawl, urban sprawl, and they lost their, um, they lost those professionals. And they were struggling to make their 100 years. And we, ha we had an inquiry, and it was a lady, how old, Carol? That, oh, she's about 40. About 40 years old, anyway, and she lives 300 metres away from us. And rather than bring her in, we said, we'd love to have you in our club, but her business was in Newcastle, uh, 25 miles away, if you speak miles, uh, 25 miles away, so... Uh, uh, we suggested she goes to went to this club. She went there, and the president rang up and said, "Oh, thank you very much, Carol." She said, "The men don't go to sleep now, but we've got a long, young woman here, <laughs> so they're awake during the meeting." <laughs> and, and that's not the that's not to be sexist, but she has actually invigorated that club exactly as you said. She's doing their uh, Facebook, she's doing their media, and she has got that club excited. And I think Carol told me they've got another new member coming in today. So, mm. yeah, yeah, they're a club that'll slowly generate. Yeah, one of the things I'm most proud of with with our uh, induction of new members is that we have grown from thirty percent female in our club to forty three percent. Um, and uh, you know. Uh, many of, of the ladies in our club are, are taking on the leadership roles within our club. 
and they're really changing the game for us. And uh, I'm a big fan. You've had this influx of new members and obviously some young people there. Lindisfarne, when we did a story on the very, very successful Lindisfarne revival, one of the net effects of the changes there was the average age of their club dropped 20 years. What sort of change in your average age or age mix have you seen with these new people, Paul? Yeah, I would say uh, the average age has dropped maybe four years in our club from 65 down to 61. But many of the new members are, in fact, quite younger. Um, you know, we've got a, a, a young woman in the club who works with the Boys and Girls Club, and, and she's joined, and she's uh, 27 years old. I think she's our youngest member uh, at this point in time. Um, but many of the, the folks uh, who are new are working full time, and they range in age from 27 to I think we've we've admitted a couple who are probably in their early 60s. There are a handful of folks who are retired. It seems to suit well with a lunchtime uh, club uh, like ours. But there's no doubt that most of the new members are quite a bit younger than uh, have made our club very, very much younger than it was before. Paul, Andy Rajapaksi, whose who's district managed to grow 200 members last year. We were talking about earlier on that they had uh, developed a, a long-term strategic approach to this and it, it's had, it paid off big time last Rotary year, up 200. But one of the things that Andy points to as a consequence of that is the importance of what he calls, I think the, the term is strategic continuity. And in fact, so we have continuity of leadership. You don't have president saying this is my year and the club lurching all over the place. Are you seeing that strategic or that leadership continuity developing at Kingston? Because it does seem to, to underpin long-term success. Yeah, and I think that's, that's uh, partly the role of the president's council. Um, you know, there, there's a good deal of continuity there. You've got the president, you've got the vice president. Um, and so we're trying to build on some themes, you know, we're trying to grow collaboration. And these, these themes are continuing uh, regardless of who's president of a club. Of course, each president is going to take things in a slightly different direction. They want to carve their own path a little bit. But I, I think we've done a pretty good job um, when I look at uh, our own board, for instance, um, a pretty good job of looking in the longer term and not just toward annual goals. And so I think that's going to help us uh, continue to thrive as a club uh, when we do that. You mentioned amongst your portfolio of jobs, and it looks like you're a very busy Rotary volunteer. You mentioned that you're the district's Rylar chair, which brings us to another thing that I reckon, another area where I think Rotary clubs could do better. And that is using Rotary youth programs to strengthen clubs and develop members rather than just perhaps sending anyone in the community on the program. Does Kingston use Rotary youth programs like Rylar strategically? Yes, we do. Uh, that's a very good point. Um, you're speaking to someone who attended Rylar back in 1975. Um, and, and I think many of the folks who are in Rotary, when they look back on uh, their lives will see these moments when they were engaged with Rotary and maybe weren't aware of it like me. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, we're very strategic about that. Uh, our our belief is that if you can, if you can hook them when they're younger, get them involved in say uh, exchange, get them involved in one of our Rotary Adventure programs or RILA, get them to join an Interact Club, uh, and then at the university level, a Rotaract Club. If you can get them involved in two or three of these things, they're far more likely to become Rotarians down the road. And I think the statistics point that out. And so it's, it, it is very strategic for us. Um, our club is very much focused on uh, youth projects and youth programs. And we try and, uh, and give them that experience, those transformative experiences that are so powerful for them. So they, they become um, they become young Rotarians, if you will, and continue on. Uh, one of the statistics that alarms me most at the Rotary International Convention in Toronto a couple of years ago, they said that 90% of Rotaractors do not become Rotarians. And I think that's tragic. And so it, it's been nice to see a shift in the way of thinking for the first time at the session you and I both attended, Carol. I heard them speak of 1.46 million Rotarians because they were including Rotaractors. And that public statement for the first time um, told, me, told me a lot that Rotaractors are now on an equal footing. Um, one of the things we did during the centennial was to charter a new club, a young professional Rotaract club. So um, many of these kids had been involved in the university Rotaract club here in, in Kingston, and, uh, but had sort of outgrown that. And rather than join one of the traditional Rotary Clubs, they decided to charter their own. So we sponsored them and we've been helping them grow. They're up to 10 members right now and doing some very interesting things. Assistant Governor Casey Tan from, I think it's District 9800, I may be wrong there, might be 9810. Uh, Casey, do you have a, did you have a question there, mate? But, um, I'm just picking up on, on uh, A.G. Paul's uh, point about how he was a member of RILA before, and I noticed that um, um, I think uh, um, Dr. Jesse Harmon mentioned one that she was the ex-RILA. And um, recently, I attended another function where someone else said he, he was an ex-RILA as well. So I was just wondering, all this potential pool of leaders that Rotary trained through the years, in your case, 1975, I remember attending, a, I think, the RI conference, uh, not this virtual one, but the one last year, where the numbers of something like 50,000 or something like that, uh, if you add in RILA, uh, youth exchange, RIPE and all rest, uh, has gone through Rotary over the years. But is there a database? Is there some way we can find these people? Because they're all over the place, and many of them probably in leadership position now and are very keen to put back in, uh, but are not being given a tap because some of them, like your case, would have been told that you can't apply to join Rotary as you was in 1975, and therefore are waiting to be invited. And no one invite you because we yeah. didn't think you're good enough because based on those old rules, if you had to apply, you're not good enough. That's, that's a very good point, Casey. We need to do a much better job of tracking the, the, the young people who are involved in Interact and, and some of our adventure programs. We need to build that database. I mean, when, you think, when I think of the kids who are attending RILA, for instance, they are all leaders in their schools and in their communities already. <clears throat> and they're, they're a perfect fit to become Rotarians. So we've, we've got to track them in a better way so that uh, we can continue to reach out to them down the road. I think 
it's a, a real potential area for growth for us, and we haven't done a very good job of tracking them. Hmm. It's interesting because there's a major push underway at the moment to uh, to encourage Australian districts or zone, zone eight districts, I think it's New Zealand as well, uh, to connect with alumni. I, I know that uh, my own district's membership team has uh, is, is working on that. And, uh, of course, some of the contact details for people who were there for, involved 40 years ago are a bit, are a bit flaky, but certainly the, 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 the move is afoot. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as Ryan Chair, um, we, we look to, to build, uh, you know, Facebook pages and other such things that, that exist during the event. Um, and those links continue to be established. We, we actually invite um, RILA graduates to come back and help us with RILA in succeeding years. So we try and maintain those contacts, another way of further engaging these young people. We've had trials, limited trials, of a form of traineeship where a young person is offered a place on RILA and obviously the club pays for it. And in return for that, they're asked to do a job, say, for example, preparing a marketing plan or something, a real measurable job that they can put in their CV. And so they're able to say that they achieved something for Rotary that could, could be good for them professionally. Do you see scope to utilise that in the Kingston success story? Um, it's not an idea I had uh, that we had considered, but I think it's a great idea. Um, it reminds me, of, so we, we've got two universities in Kingston, uh, Queen's University, which is world renowned, and uh, the Royal Military College. And Queen's University in particular has a, developed an outreach program. And many of the, the young folks who are attending the university have great skill sets. And so they are now reaching out to service organizations to help them with some of those tasks. And I think it's a, it's a good way for us here in Kingston. We've begun to build partnerships that way. Um, but, but I think you're right. I think there's a real opportunity for those kinds of, uh, of partnerships that we can um, take advantage of that could really assist us with our clubs and at the same time help to build future Rotarians. Your model, your collaborative model in Kingston is obviously working brilliantly. Is it catching on elsewhere in your district and, and zone? Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I think in our district, um, I, I, I worry that people are getting tired of hearing about the Kingston story. <laughs> but uh, I will tell you that I've given presentations to many of the clubs in our district. They've been recorded. They continue to be shared uh, widely. And... Um, you know, I hear presidents in some of the clubs talking about the Kingston model and embracing components of the Kingston model that they hadn't considered. And so I think that's why it's, it's so important to share, share the story is because we, we can help other clubs grow, right? There's no reason why, you know, it's not just a particular to our, the fact that we had a centennial. It, it's so many things. And I think there are tremendous opportunities for all clubs to reverse these declining membership trends and grow. It's, it's not rocket science. One of the things that does seem to be part and parcel of that is this issue of strong leadership and leaders who are proud of their, their rotary and express that pride. 
does that seem to be consistent with what's happening in Kingston? Yeah, absolutely. And and I can tell you that uh, the members are proud too. Um, and so they're more likely to bring somebody to a meeting. They're more likely to reach out in a way that they might not have reached out before because they're very proud of what we're doing. And uh, I think that pride is catching. You know, we've had a number of people who have who have been in the community, who saw the video on TV, who heard about one of our story, or read about one of our projects in the newspaper, and reached out to us and say, "I want to be part of that. It, this this sounds uh, engaging and exciting. Um, can I become a member?" And, and that's sort of a new chapter for us that this this kind of thing is happening. And, and the members are all very proud of, of what we have been doing. And, and that's great because they, they then become your best advocates. Well, that's true. I mean, if, if we want to create an aspirational model where young people in particular aspire to be in Rotary, that excitement's got to be, it's really got to be part of it, along with you know, doing relevant things. Has that been your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it has very much so. And uh, one of the other things I didn't mention that I, I highlighted a, a little bit was the notion of dynamic meetings. Our attendance during Zoom was higher than it had been in person. Uh, it was not uncommon for us to have uh, between 60 and 70 um, people attending our meetings. We had great speakers, speakers we typically wouldn't have had because you know they didn't have to leave their office to uh, to speak to us, um, you know, great dynamic meetings. And so, you know, people were excited to be attending our meetings. And it's something I worry about a little bit as we move back to <laughs> in person that we might uh, lose some of those opportunities. And so that's why we, we, we are inclined to move to a hybrid model. Um, so, you know, it, twice, twice a month, we have 25 people meeting in person at our facility. Um, but we've got an equal number or more who are online um, using Zoom. And, and so we're working at trying to make this a dynamic experience for both groups, which is, which is fairly challenging. Yeah. It, seem, it does seem that you've, you've had a, a fair amount of success so far, Paul, with, with, with that goodwill and the collaborative spirit there. And I love that mix of clubs. You, you, you mentioned all those, the six different types of clubs. It does seem that you've pretty much got something for everyone. Yeah, I wish I had known about the, the pub club uh, when I joined because I'm, I might have gone to that club instead of the one I'm currently <laughs> I'm a fan of pubs. Okay. Sorry to interrupt that, Paul. Uh, there is a Rotary Fellowship called the Brew Fellowship, which I'm a member of. <laughs> So I reckon, I reckon you should join because it's good fun. Yes, Sorry, think, okay. Thanks I for that Brian, recommendation. I'll look into it. <laughs> I think Brian Coffey wants to say something about brew as well, so over to you, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm speaking in Charlotte, North Carolina, tomorrow night uh, oh. about brew. Beer Rotarians enjoy worldwide. So Nice. Very nice. But, but uh, it's, it's, it's 10.30 at night, so I won't be able to have a drink here. Otherwise, I won't be able to speak to you. <laughs> Well, it's a little early for me. <laughs> One last question, though. One last question that I like to ask all champion club builders, even though it might seem to be obvious. Paul Elsley, Assistant Governor Paul Elsley, why are you in Rotary? <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. And, and part of this, one of the nicest features we have in those breakout rooms is when veteran members tell their stories to the new members. Why did you join Rotary? 
why are you still in what keeps you here? And, and I think that really resonates with new members. So I, I moved to Kingston uh, about a decade ago when my wife changed careers and applied to Queens Law School. That brought us to Kingston. We knew no one in the community. And, uh, you know, I, I was in a position to be able to retire from my teaching career. And um, I was looking to engage in the community. Um, and, and so I reached out to Rotary. My father-in-law is a Rotarian. And he encouraged me to seek them out. Just so happened that I could walk to meetings. Um, and so, you know, very quickly, I got to know an awful lot of people in the community who then put me in touch with other people in the community. And uh, we had uh, a big, happy Rotary family that I was exposed to right off the top. And so I got involved because we were new to the community and I wanted to serve, obviously. Um, and Rotary was the perfect uh, venue for doing so. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks, Paul. We'd like to give you a round of applause, Paul. So well done, mate. <laughs> we love this story. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, I hope this isn't the only time that uh, we're in connect with one another. I hope this is the beginning of potentially a relationship. Uh, I'm happy to stay engaged with you folks and see how our stories unfold. Well, you're officially a proxy Zone 8 club building champion now, Paul, so who knows where that's going to lead. <laughs> Dear audience, I've loved having you with us tonight. Thank you for the for the engagement and thank you for those questions and the commentary and i hope you'll be back with us soon anyway on that note good night good night everyone thank nice you. meeting everyone thank you